that I've received a great compliment from multiple families, most of whom are not here anymore. They always told me this, you know what, church is just so different and I love that, it's, it's just not comfortable, I mean, you know, almost every week I feel like there's just tension, you know, I feel it, as they walk out the door. I don't like it, but I feel it. If that's your goal, you're doing really good. You've made a very uncomfortable church here. I love it. Just not that much. See, pleasure is what we've been taught to pursue. But there's something here. If you have devoted yourself to anything that you have found meaning in, if you have devoted yourself to anything that you have truly become exceptional in, if you have de devoted yourself to anything that you've gone deep in, you realize that to get there, the path that took you to me, the path that, that, that took you to going deep, to expertise in the thing, the path that took you to accomplish your experience things other people didn't, that path had a name. And the name of that path was pain. See, pain is a path. Pain takes us places. Now, I'm not telling you that the goal of being Christian is to be in pain all the time. It's not what I'm talking about. I had this great experience a few years back. Pastor uh, Zach wanted to work out. He wanted to lift heavy. He's obsessed with squats and deadlift and making your body hurt. And there's a weird kind of thing that happens in that moment, right? Most people quit about two weeks in, if not the first week. Because that second week, everything hurts. And when you get under the bar, you ache, and your back hurts, and your knees hurt, and your neck hurts, and your arm doesn't move right, and you're having to learn to put the bar farther down, and your shoulders just feel awkward. The whole thing is terrible. And truthfully, anyone who's gone to do anything normally would say, this is stupid, stop right now. I heard that there's a gym over there, you get pizza. It's a dollar, and you get pizza when you walk in. That's where you want to go. That one feels great. I walk out of there every day with a smile on my face. Hit that treadmill for two minutes, get my pizza, and I get the massage, and I get out. Amen. Come on, that's funny. You don't get pizza at Zach's gym. You don't even get air conditioning. It's terrible. It's small and cramped. But you know what there is? There's a lot of weight. There's a lot of metal, and there's a lot of construction. Now, if you are able to make it past week two, I had this issue when I first started squatting. I had this right knee that would swell up. I mean, huge every time I would squat. And I'd tell Zach, hey, I don't know what's going on here. This doesn't look healthy. I mean, at, you know, the web um, MD says I need to stop. <laughs> and of course, Pastor Zach would say, no, 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 just keep squatting. So yeah, I know, I played sports for a long time, bro. And when you have a big injury, you just stop. You say, no, 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 just keep squatting. That's the answer. This seems too simplistic. I don't think he's that smart. Maybe he's kind of dumb. I don't know. But it got to about the first month that I was about to quit. I was like, I can't do this. I would go, I would go to work out, I'd go down to the squat, and my knee would just be in pain. And on that fourth week, I was going down on the squat, and I heard this in my knee. Hurt like crazy. I did not want to praise the Lord in that moment. And so I put the bar up, and I said, I'm done, I'm done, and then I looked at my knee, and I was like, ooh, that feels good, I can, I can move it again, and you know, I won't tell you what I used to be able to do with my knees, but I used to be able to move them pretty well, and I was like, I think I can move my knee again, 
tell me, but I still can't explain scientifically what happened. I assume I had a muscle imbalance, we'll leave the science for later, but literally my kneecap got pulled into alignment and it hurt so bad. But after the pain, guess what? Oh, it felt so See, growing stronger, growth, maturing doesn't always feel good. Jude is around the age of nine, almost ten, and what he tells me all the time is my knees hurt, my elbows hurt. Now, I'm not a very tall guy, I didn't experience a lot, but what I'm told is, these are called growth pains. <laughs> and then people experience these things when they get taller, right, <laughs> at a rapid rate. And he's hurting all the time, I'm like, hey, I never hurt like that, but that's a good thing. Embrace it. He's like, Dad, this hurts. I'm like, that's a good sign, son. You wanted to hurt. You're right. All the rides. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people I know. I have a lot of relationships. When you pastor in a small town, you get to know a lot of people. But the relationships that have value to me, I, I care and I've learned to love people the best that I can that I am today and with the eyes and the heart of Christ to deeply love you. But the relationships that have kind of given back to me, the ones that, that fill my life up, there's something different about those relationships. Every one of those relationships that pours into me went down a certain path. Every one of those relationships that I care so deeply about, the ones that I need, the ones that pour into my life, we've all gone down there's been arguments, disagreements, disappointments, offense, fear, anger, all sorts of painful experiences. These are the relationships that I've found the most meaningful most valuable. There are so many jobs that on my worst day I wish I would have chose instead of being a pastor. You know, you could have done law. That's really boring. You know what? It pays great. You know, you could have done that one. You know, geez, business. You could have gone into business. You could have been a doctor, right? You know, all things. And while there would have been many roads I could choose, it would have been easier. The one thing that always makes me toss and turn with that, the one that makes me feel satisfied with what I chose, is I'll tell you what, there's not many roads I could have chosen that would have been as painful as the one I did choose. But because of this painful path I've chosen, I truthfully can't tell you that any of these other paths would have brought me more meaning to my life, would have brought more purpose to my life. Victor Franco is a pretty famous uh, thinker, writer, philosopher, therapist. He's famous for uh, he he developed his ideas of how to lead a human into healing after trauma and pain through uh, his experiences in concentration camps. He's a Jew. He watched people be tortured, murdered, and these very terrible things that happened. And what he said, that the one truth that he had kind of ingrained deep inside of him is that most people have a wrong. Most people believe that life is about finding pleasure and avoiding pain. But what he said 
is that what humans most desire more than pleasure, and even more than important to me, they need meaning. They need death. They need their time on this earth to have a value and meaning to it beyond feeling good or enjoying the moment. And his argument was the only way for human beings to ever find the meaning and purpose that they want so deeply is to go through suffering. There's no way around it. Now, there's something else that ties into pain. See, because we don't understand pain in the church, means we don't understand how to grow as individuals. We don't understand that to get stronger, my kneecap hurts because I have weak muscles. One muscle stronger than the other. I need to get this muscle stronger to make my knee better. If I don't, if I ignore it, if I sit on the couch, if I have my pizza, whatever, right? Get the massage at the $1 gym, right? It will get worse every year. And then I will lose my ability to walk on the knee. And then I will begin to get, say, what happens to you guys at kind of the dots. And then because this gets better, I will compensate with my hip. And then my hip will go bad. And then I'll try to compensate my other hip, and it will go bad. And I will begin to degrade my body step by step every single day of my life unless I'm willing to endure the pain to find healing. Me and uh, Pastor Zach were at Cracker Girl many years ago, and I was trying to show him that the Holy Spirit had, had a part of his soul, that the Holy Spirit was focused on leading him to healing. And I had this picture of him with a cane, and I began to kind of explain the same thing I talked to you. There is a limit that you're walking on. And unless you allow us to be healed, it's going to lead to another wound, to another wound. See, this is what is happening inside of your souls right now. You don't even know. The way that you interact with every person in mass you put on every day, the goals that you pursue, I can go on and on. It is all built to mask and to compensate because I have a bad knee, I'm going to walk through life like this. Because I have a wound here, an insecurity here, a fear here. And if I always pursue spiritual environments that make me feel good, I will never be able to And if it only affected me, then that'd be fine. But unfortunately, the scriptures talk about sin and brokenness as an infection, meaning it spreads from me to you. My brokenness can't help but affect you. My insecurities can't help but affect the way I speak to you. My fears and anger can't help but affect you. My ego can't help but step on you. And so if I don't get me healed, if I don't go through the pain to find healing for my me, it will affect everyone. Just kind of a simple analogy, right? If I don't go through the therapy and the exercise and the pain that it takes to find healing for my knee, I will lose my ability to play with my kids the way that I want to. I lose my ability to hold them, right? To get out there and play baseball with my kids, I have to be able to be mobile. There are things emotionally, mentally, and spiritually you're incapable of doing. There are things that your friends, that your family, that your children, that your co-workers, that your neighbors need from you, but you're incapable of giving to them because you are not healed yet. You haven't even started the process to find healing. And the biggest reason you haven't started the process to find healing is because you are too busy trying to avoid pain. And see, the American church doesn't understand 
and value him. Most sermons I listen to, there's always a, and if you do this, guess what? Your life will be more easy. Sorry, I'm crazy, right? Easier, there you go. Easier and happier and richer and more beautiful. You will lose weight, you will turn blonde, you will get blue eyes. But the promise isn't that. What we've always said very clearly, Grace, is this. You will not find a church who will put more intention out into helping you identify your brokenness and showing you the path to healing. And that path will not be yours. In fact, you will want to walk away from it. You will want to run away from it. You will want to go almost anywhere else to avoid that experience until you realize the benefits it's going to have. You see, there's no way to healing without going through these principles. There's no way to. We use the analogy of this being a hospital. This is one of the most effective kind of pictures of what the church is. It is a hospital. I wish that they had procedures or heart surgeries, you know, that were not painful. It doesn't matter if you are out for the entire surgery. When you wake up, you are in immense pain. Pastor Larry had this pillow that they gave him in the hospital, and it's this like red heart. It's a pillow. To a grown man, they gave him a stuffed animal, stuffed pillow. And I thought it was so silly when they gave it to him. They gave it to everyone who goes through this heart surgery. And they give it to him because they know that when night comes and you have to sleep, you need something to hold on to because the pain is going to be so intense. Just trying to get some rest. And that lasts for months. So we have promised the scriptures of pain. There are three different types of pain that we're promised. Here's the first one. There is a pain that comes from conforming to the image of Christ. This is the process of allowing your character, your brokenness, insecurity, wounds, things that you had no control over that happen to you. Things that you did control where you harmed yourself and others. Things in the way that you view the world, the way that you understand who you are, your identity, your value. This process of having to unlearn what you've learned and to relearn something. Of having to allow God to reopen all of those experiences and moments that you so skillfully locked away into that closet. All of these insecurities and brokenness that you so skillfully are hiding in the mask of you create every single day. This is the pain of having to be whole. Learning what it is to be who you really are without all of the masks, distractions. It's a painful process. To be conformed to the image of Christ. The scriptures in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about it. And he basically says it like this. If you're not connected, if you're not bearing fruit, if you're not growing in the image of Christ, you're going to be snipped up. You are the flower that's not bearing fruit. You get snipped, meaning you are disconnected from the life of God. But here's the good news. If you are growing in the, in the image of Christ, guess what you get? More pruning, meaning more conforming, more correction. It's a painful process. To be pruned means that things are being snipped off, but the great thing is you are being separated. The craziest thing about this is as your connectedness to God increases, 
The areas of your life where God and the Spirit are working to conform you also increases. Meaning you're pruning your experience of what we might even call pain. goes up. We're promised the pain of learning to love self-sacrificially. Galatians 5.13. Specifically, the context of Galatians, I use that passage because it's in the church. I'm not sure if you ever pay attention to the epistles, but most of them are about people fighting in the church. Hey, you, stop fighting with them. You're wrong and you're wrong. Get together, hug it out. Okay, you, you're wrong and you're wrong. Get together, hug it out. That's the epistles. There you go, you're wrong. I never understood that. So I passed and realized that's what it is. You're a principal and parent. Go to the office. You're fighting. Stop. Leave. See, because we don't understand pain, we don't understand what unity really is. See, the American church calls unity likeness, meaning... To come to a place where everyone is like and we call that unity. We have such a unified church here, man. We're doing great. Everyone gets along. Yeah. I drove up and I saw 100 black SUVs. Terrific. Everyone's really alike here. That's awesome. <laughs> Going on. We all have the same values. We all vote for the same party. We have great unity here. You don't have unity, you have likeness. See, unity comes through difference, having to learn what it is to be reconciled, meaning to come together despite separation. You can't reconcile something that's already together. You reconcile things that are apart and you bring them back together. The ministry of the church is to reconcile and bring things that are apart together. To create a church where we just find everyone who's already together, the same political parties, we're doing great. We have the same hobbies. We all hunt together and we vote together. Amen. Good church there. We reverence. I've never seen such an unhealthy church ever. The church history is worse. The small things that we find ourselves dividing. They didn't like my Facebook post about the masks. We're done. Over. Fully committed to the ministry of reconciliation. What we're doing is we're avoiding the pain of conflict. I, I want to find it. I just want to be done. I just want to agree disagree while I create more separation between us. See, the work of the Spirit is to come together, to have disagreements, and yet in our disagreement we reconcile because the cross is stronger than our opinions about masks or COVID or presidential candidates. The cross was big enough that it would be enough to be together, even though we are different. Unity requires change. And the last thing that we're promised, I guess, for Bible school here is the passage I want to really been preaching the entire time, so I want to say it again. Matthew 5 1. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children. God, pause right there. Don't all of these things sound pretty good? Hey, you're a peacemaker. You're just trying to get people to, to, you know, to be together. That's great. Hey, you're just 
meek. That's all you are. You know, I mean, have you ever hated someone who's meek? It's hard to hate someone who's meek. Probably just like the Enneagram nines right here. Those who are poor in spirit. Those who mourn. Those who show mercy. Why are these people who we wouldn't like? Because here's what comes, right? It says, if you're doing all these things, here's what happens. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Whoa, why would I be persecuted for being a peacemaker, for being meek, for showing mercy? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. And you have to connect the dots again. You see, the last thing the Lord promised is that we will experience pain as we live faithfully to our King. Meaning, the way the Apostle Paul puts it is aliens here. My values should be so dramatically different than the average American down the street that they go, man, I don't even know what planet that guy's from. Have you heard about his values? Ridiculous. That guy is always a peacemaker. He's always on Facebook like, hey, why don't you calm down? Why don't you come down? And why don't we just work together? Have you, have you ever seen that happen on Facebook? The guy was like, hey, I like you and you. And they both go, you, you're a loser. Either you hate masks or you are all about being a sheep. Get out of here, peacemaker. Don't need you. <laughs> have, have you ever worked or played sports or been in a competitive environment? What happens to people who are meek? Hey guys, how you doing? Bitch. <laughs> See, my son Jude is very skilled. He's just too nice. You gotta be mean. When you get on that field, I want you to hate them. <laughs> I don't want to say that, okay? But the kids who do really well in sports, guess who they are? Are they meek? You better believe it or not. The people who do the best in business, are they, most of them just, oh, hey, how you guys doing? It's nice to meet you. The business handshake is meant to be, how you doing? Strong, direct, presence. What well, you didn't notice in these things, the reason you can be persecuted is these are not the ways to be successful in this world. You literally, to live faithful to the king is to experience pain. If you went through your life showing extreme mercy to everyone who wrongs you, well, I want you to understand this. It hurts. When someone wrongs you in a deep, painful way, you know what feels good? To wrong them right back. You know what doesn't feel good? To forgive them and to eat it. Doesn't feel good. Mercy doesn't feel good. We experience it as pain. The Beatitudes, if you were living in a perfect world, guess what? All of these things would feel great to do. But if you are living faithfully to the king in these ways, let me tell you, you will experience something. You will be walking on the path of So as we go forward as a church, I will continue to promise you one thing as a pastor. I will always steer you towards what you need. I will always steer us towards what we need, even if it's going to hurt me. 
to the best of my ability, and that is exactly what myself and pastors and elders will do in this place. We will direct the direction that we believe you need to grow to be healthier in Christ. But here's the promise. There will always be a little This path to finding growth, to finding meaning, to finding health, is only on this single path that we call when it starts to hurt, it's not the time. Ask questions. Talk to people. Vent to them. Don't run. The worst thing you could ever do is to allow one point of brokenness to leave you. And if we always avoid any things to healing, that's the only problem we have. Is that one wound 